Again, I want to extend a special welcome to any of you who are not regular parts of ECC. We hope that you feel welcome. We know that it can be scary walking into a place where you don't know people and you don't know what's going on. So thank you for having the courage to join us tonight. I also want to extend a special thank you and welcome to the young people who would normally be downstairs in Kids Club on Sunday morning, but they're up here with us. Didn't they do a great job with the first song? Let's give them a hand. Now, kids, I know, it's Christmas Eve, you're excited about a lot of things, you're probably not too excited about sitting here for the next three or four hours, right, and listening. So if you look at the pews in front of you, there's some pieces of blank paper that say uh, doodle sheets or something like that on the top there, so you can, you can draw pictures, you can take notes uh, of what you hear during the sermon, but we're also going to be reading a few different sections of the Christmas story tonight, and if you're a reader, I'd like you to find it in the Bible and actually read along with me. So we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, Parents, if you need to get up and go into the back and uh, take care of kids, you're welcome to do that. If uh, you need some more um, artistic supplies, right behind the sound booth, there's a big bin of crayons and some paper underneath that. So do whatever you need to do to help your kids stay engaged. All right. There is... There's a lot of fear in the world, right? The last couple years, we've seen some fears that we really couldn't have imagined before that virus came along. Some people actually make a living stoking our fears, whether it's politicians or authorities or media personalities or whatever. The more fear we have, the more we tune into them, the higher the ratings, the more we need them. Some of you experienced fear tonight just coming here. I know what that's like. I am naturally an introverted person. For me to walk into a building like this with a bunch of people that I don't know, not, don't know what to expect, that fear rises up inside of me, even going into a church. So when we go on vacation, we find a, a local church and we go worship there. Like My job is a pastor, right? And that every time we're on vacation, walking into a church I've never been, I fear this, I feel this fear rise up inside of me. So if that was you tonight and you pushed through it and you got here, thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. Maybe you've got fears about what's going to happen later tonight as you open presents or tomorrow as the family comes together. You're, maybe you're afraid of who's going to offend whom and about what and how things are going to blow up or who's going to get the silent treatment or who's going to cancel at the last minute because of COVID exposure. I know there's a few families in our church that have already had their plans disrupted. Some who are home right now, sick and wish they could be with us. Others who they're not going to be with family because they got the news that COVID has struck. Some of us are afraid of like the big things. We even wake up at night thinking about the big things. You know, like is is China going to invade Taiwan? Is Russia going to invade the Ukraine? Maybe maybe this whole Omicron thing is a scam and it's really bad. They just don't want to tell us that it's going to squash us all. You know, those fears, they rise up inside of us. Today we're going to look at a few passages of scripture that tell the Christmas story and we're going to try to look at it through the lens of fear. Because in each of these main Christmas passages, God, through an angel as a mouthpiece, tells his beloved people, do not be afraid. Do not fear. It's a theme that we can trace through all 
of the Christmas stories in the New Testament. Like I said, we're going to read these, and uh, if you've got a Bible, I'd ask you, ask you to pull it out, and uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. If you're looking in one of the Black Pew Bibles, which are right in front of you, you're looking at page 855. Normally, if you're here on a Sunday morning, we have a particular passage, and we go through it, and we look at it in detail. We're not doing that this time. We're looking at a few different passages, the things that draw them together, and so we're going to go through a large amount of words. I'm going to read them to you, and rather than simply reading them off the screen, I want you to actually hold the Bible in your hands and read it. So just like Mary held Jesus, whom was referred to as the Word of God, in her hands... I want you guys to hold the Word of God in your hands tonight. See it with your own eyes. Feel it with your hands. So on page 855 in the Pew Bible, or Luke 1, 26, this is where we're going to start. Now this is familiar because you just heard Trudy read it. But if you were like me, you were thinking about, okay, what's coming next and what are my kids doing and maybe not paying close attention. So this time, as I read through it, I hope you'll pay attention. Kids, if you've got it in front of you, you can read along. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, I love that. He could have just you know, thrown his hands up and said, look, every time I show up, the people go running away, screaming in fear. No. He says, patiently, gently, do not fear. And then he gives the reason, for you have found favor with God. What does that mean? Well, if you were with us last Sunday morning, you know, we talked about the word favor in the New Testament. We said how it is the same word that we get grace from and gift from. It's the Greek word charis, spelled with an, an X in the front. That would be the, the Greek letter for C-H. That's why we get X in Christmas. The word charis means grace, favor, and gift. So when the angel shows up and says, Mary, here's the big news. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. And he says, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. He's saying you have grace from God. God is giving grace as a gift, favor upon you. Now, that's significant because it tells us that it it's not about how great Mary is. Now, she's great. She responded in an amazing way. Probably none of us in this room would respond this way. And she lived faithfully and purely before and after this. I mean, she is a shining example of faithfulness and holiness. But she's chosen through God's grace. Grace is undeserved. Grace is an unmerited favor. So it's not like there was this contest where all the Jewish virgins were lined up and God said, okay, who's the best one? I'm going to pick Mary. It's not that she herself is perfect. Amazing example for us, but not perfect. It's that God chose her and gave her grace and favor. That's the reason she doesn't have to fear. Now, that's good news for us because God gives grace to us today, too. 
None of us measure up to Mary. None of us measure up to the standard that God wants for us. But he loves us anyway, and he gives us grace. He gives us favor. That is the amazing good news of the rescue mission that Jesus has come on. He has come not as the judge, but as the rescuer and the savior. And he offers us grace. When you receive the gift of grace through Jesus Christ, you enter into a new stage of life where you do not have to fear the things that you feared before. Not because you're braver, not because you're suddenly filled with courage, boldness, but because you have received grace, just as Mary did. But what about the other side of this soon-to-be marriage? What about Joseph? I'm, I'm sure Mary was thinking all kinds of thoughts, like, what are people going to say? What is my mom going to say? And then it dawned on her, oh, no, what is Joseph going to say? Is he going to believe me? Is he going to divorce me? They, they weren't officially married yet, but an engagement was legally binding, and so he, he would have to actually divorce her, send her away. What, what's going to happen? And then when Joseph finds out, he's asking all the same questions, right? What are people going to say? What are my parents going to say? Are they going to kick me out of the synagogue? Are they going to boycott my business? Are they... And then it dawns on him, what if, what if Mary's lying? What if she's been with somebody? What if she's making up this whole thing? God intervenes in this potential disaster of mistrust, sends the angel again to address Joseph. So now we want to flip backwards in the Bible to the book of Matthew. This is going to be on page 807 if you're in a Black Pew Bible. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Joseph gets a visit by the angel now. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. You guys can read along with me. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together... She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus." Just like the angel says to Mary, he now says to Joseph, do not fear, do not be afraid. But he gives a different reason. To Mary, he says, you have found favor, you have grace from God. To Joseph, he takes a different tact. He says, trust the good plan of God. So the prophets hundreds of years ago said this was going to happen, and now you're going to see it lived out in your own Life. God is at work, Joseph. He has a plan, and you have a specific role in that plan, and you need to trust him in that plan. And therefore, you don't have to be afraid. 
some of you go through life not worrying about the plane. Others of you, you got to plan everything, right? And the, the thought of being out of control terrifies you. Now, the last couple of years, there's been a lot of stuff that's out of our control. And that's been hard for some of us. For me, trying to lead the church, not knowing what's going to happen, how to plan, who's going to say what, who's going to change their mind, change the rules, and just all this stuff is going on. I'm like, Lord, I, especially back in early 2020s, I, how can I plan anything? Well, what am I to do? Drove me nuts. Joseph, as a, as a laborer, as a, as a carpenter, as a builder, he's used to working with a plan. He knows how to read a plan. He knows how to make the plan come together to build what he's building. Here the angel is saying to him, Joseph, you've got to trust God's plan. I know this doesn't look anything like your plan. You were going to get married. You're going to start having your family after you're married. You're going to do it the traditional way. And yet, God has a different plan for you. Let me encourage you to get to know God's plan. The more you know the plan of God as revealed to us in the Bible, the more you can trust him in his good plan. The more you can say, I don't have to be afraid because God's plan is working out. In the case of this conversation with Joseph, Though it's not stated specifically, what the angel is saying is, look, this was planned out way before you. It was spoken of 700 years before you were born. I think God can handle this. Maybe this next year, 2022, is a year where you commit to reading the Bible regularly, getting to know the story of the plan of God throughout history. As you get to know that big story, as you get to see how God has worked in multiple nations and peoples over the course of thousands of years, it will bring you to a point where you do not feel like you have to fear when the plan that you have isn't working out the way you want it to. Let's flip back to Luke. This is our last big chunk of the Christmas story. This time Luke chapter 2. It's on page 857 in the Black Bibles. So we've got We've got Mary. She doesn't have to be afraid because of the grace of God on her. Joseph doesn't have to be afraid because of the good plan that God is working out with him. Who are the other major players on that Christmas night? Well, it's the shepherds, right? So let's read about them. Luke chapter 2, 1 through 21. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that is the ruler of the Roman Empire, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Can you imagine if that's how we did the census today? You just got to go to wherever you grew up and get counted there. All went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. So King David, a thousand years before this, his hometown is Bethlehem, and Joseph, as a descendant of King David, goes to Bethlehem to be counted. Verse 5, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. 
And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Again, the angel shows up. The response is fear. The angel said to him, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, more angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased." And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, and as it had been told them. So for the shepherds, they're just minding their business. They're at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. They smell funny, hanging out with sheep all the time. They're not invited to parties. They're not educated. They're out in the middle of the field at night watching the sheep. Angel shows up, could have announced this to anybody in the whole world. It's like two miles from the, the palace in Jerusalem. Could have announced it to the king. Could have showed up in Rome and announced it to the emperor. But the angel shows up to these smelly, unwanted, outcast, awkward shepherds. He says, the son of God. The Savior of the world has been born in the village right over there. You're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. Go, go see. They're, of course, they're, they're terrified. And so the, the angel has to tell them, don't be afraid. What, is, what does he say? 9 through 11. The angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, if you're part of ECC, I hope you're asking some questions. Okay, don't be afraid because I give you good news. wonder what the word is for good news there. Because good news is important in Christianity. Could it possibly be that that is the word that we get gospel from? It is. It is the very word. So the angel shows up, says, don't be afraid, for I bring you gospel, good news. The Savior is born, and it's good news for all people. I wish that our English translations actually translated this as gospel because it's such a rich statement of the gospel truth there. The good news that Jesus came on a rescue mission as the Savior of the world to save us from our sins. That little baby 
in a probably wooden or stone manger, would grow up to be a man who hangs from a wooden cross on a stone hill outside of Jerusalem. He will give his life as a ransom to pay our sin debt to God the Father. And that is beginning to be announced here to these shepherds. And it's the reason they don't have to be afraid. The reason given by the angel is gospel, good news. If you're unfamiliar with the gospel, it's simply this. God created everything there is, and it was good. The pinnacle of creation were the first humans. They were created in the image of God. They reflected God. They were to rule over the earth and tend it as stewards underneath God, and yet they rebelled against God. All of us have rebelled since then, and so we are enemies of the one who made us. And yet out of love for us, God came in the flesh as one of us, lived the perfect life that we could not, and then died the death that we deserve. The Bible tells us that all who sin have earned a wage of death. Jesus came to pay that death that we owed. It's being hinted at here in this proclamation from the angels. Don't be afraid, shepherds. Good news. Great joy. The Savior is born. So we've got Mary with grace. We've got Joseph trusting the good plan of God. We've got the shepherds with the announcement of the first hints of the gospel. And all of these are given to us as reasons to not be afraid. Aren't you glad that God does not simply speak to us through the Bible and say, don't be afraid, stop being afraid, and then just leave it at that? Not only does he give us reasons... He actually gives us grace and a process. So Joseph was a descendant of King David. If we go back a thousand years, King David is, seems to be running for his life all the time. In fact, if you read through the book of Psalms, many of the Psalms are written by David when he's running for his life. His own children tried to kill him. His closest advisors betrayed him. He had enemies left and right always hunting him down. The king before him tried to kill him. Life was tough for David. And at one point, David has been captured by the Philistines. You guys may remember the Philistines because Goliath was one of the Philistines. So now David, the one who slayed Goliath, has been captured by Goliath's buddies. And David writes in Psalm 56, he writes this. When I am afraid, like right now, as I'm trembling in the prison of the Philistines, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid, what can flesh or what can man do to me? This is a gift to us, because God is not simply saying, get your act together, stop being afraid of things, I got it under control. But here, David, as a 
mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit inspiring this song shows us that when he is afraid, even King David, when we are afraid, what can we do? We can put our trust in God. We can choose to trust in God. It says, in God whose word I praise. How will you know how God has been trustworthy in the past? By reading the word that he's given us. David is familiar with the word of God. He trusts God. And so when he is afraid, he says, what can man do to me? I belong to the king of kings, and I choose to trust in him. Christmas story is many things. It's primarily a record of how God came to rescue us. As we can see embedded in that record are three very clear words of encouragement to us that we need not be afraid. I don't know what you guys are up against. I don't know what fears are stewing in your hearts, what you face as you go home tonight or go back to work next week or as you watch the news. But if you know the grace of God, because you're trusting in Him, if the gospel has transformed you and you now belong to Him, if you are familiar with the good plan of God through all of history and know that He is working his plan, then let me encourage you, you have nothing to fear. What could man, or the economy, or an enemy on the other side of the world, or the weather, or a virus, or your spouse, or your kids, what, what could they do to you? What do you have to fear? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for including these words in your record for us. Thank you that you sent an angel to Mary, to Joseph, and to the shepherds telling them, do not fear, that you worked in David showing us that we don't have to fear, we can choose to trust in you. Lord, I know that for some ears, a lot of this was foreign and strange. I pray that you'd help them to make sense of that. I pray, Lord, mostly that you would help everyone in this room to understand the good gospel message that you came as a Savior to rescue us. That if we trust in you, you save us. We are prone to trust in ourselves, Lord. Help us to trust you instead. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your good plan and for your good news. In Jesus' name, amen.